0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carved baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Now, we'd like to salute that lady in London who uh, got into trouble in the ladies' room in a local theater there. Most of you who read the piece, you know what it's about. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> right <of their> lives. <laughs> did you read that story? You didn't. Well, I ain't gonna be the one to tell you. Oh yeah. Hey, listen. Uh, speaking of uh, of a terrible, uh, awful, awful feelings. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know quite how to approach this. The uh, following program tonight will have uh, very deep psychic manifestations and ramifications for the more sensitive people out there. And, uh, of course, uh, since you're sensitive, uh, I'm sure that applies to you. And uh, you just you just can't fight it. Uh, hi, gang. How are you? You know? <laughs> Is it all right? Yeah? Well, you know, we do the best we can. We fight in a way you can only fight through the great cheesecloth strainer of, of of time and existence. It's like, uh, it's like being at the bottom of your own private 20-gallon fish tank aquarium. You're living down there amid the plastic weeds. You know, you realize, of course, now that uh, for fish tanks, have you, have you been in the fish store recently where they sell fish, you know? Tropical fish and stuff. Well, you can buy for tropical fish tanks now plastic weeds for the bottom of the fish tank. Which must be damn frustrating to a fish. I mean, you know, they put the poor fish in there, and the next thing you know, he's swimming around, and, and uh, he goes over and nuzzles up to this weed, you know, because fish like to eat them weeds, you know. Excuse me, I'm using the nomenclature of our time. People like to eat those weeds, and uh, fish do, and they get over there, and there's nothing but plastic. You can also buy plastic sand for these uh, fish tanks, as well as plastic rocks. Now, of course, the next step, and it has to come, Let's face it. One of the problems with having tropical fish is you got to keep you know, changing the water, and you got to keep feeding them right. You got to take care of them right. Well, the next step, since we've got plastic weeds and plastic rocks, why not plastic fish? You know, why mess around? You can get. You, you, I imagine. <laughs> you know, you get a beautiful little plastic angelfish that the hag's in there, suspended in this plastic water forever. Uh, you can get a couple of very rare types. I'm, I'm sure. You know what would probably result in this too, that uh, if you if you buy a model, a plastic model of a uh, tropical fish, you're probably going to have to spend more for the rarer tropical fish. <laughs> it's got to come. And uh, I, already, uh, for those of you who are curious about uh, the development of the uh, of replacing the artificial world putting the artificial world in place of the real world, you know, that you can buy now uh, through uh, several very well publicized stores. You can buy yourself an absolutely lifelike, and it's so lifelike you can't believe it, an absolutely lifelike model of a gigantic German shepherd. I mean complete with the meanest set of teeth you ever saw in your life, man. I'm I'm talking about a bad-looking German shepherd with red eyes. You know, the kind that looks like he's about to make a meal out of one of your hawks. You know, sit at the top and work down. You can also buy yourself a, 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 a absolutely lifelike, life-size. These are life-size models. You can get yourself a life-size model of a Mastiff. Well, I'm talking about the kind of dog, you know, that has the collar with the spikes on it. Now, what is this for? Well, it's you just set this uh, dog up in your window of your house when you leave. <laughs> <laughs> for a two-week vacation, and that bad-looking, that bad a German Shepherd is going to discourage anybody who may have designs on the, you know, your your tableware. Uh, so you can buy you can buy imitation dogs now for people who don't want to take care of dogs, but who like to have the idea of having a dog around. Now, uh, I think one of the most uh, most significant developments of our time is that uh, there's one mail order house that you can order. You can order a friend. Now, a lot of people living in urban life today don't have uh, companionship of one kind or another. Uh, it's just a, you know it's a pro- byproduct of urbanization. It has nothing to do with a sick system or anything. Like it just a, just be- when there's 14 and a half million people living in one little clump, as we have here in the New York area, it's obvious that uh, a certain percentage of, of those guys are not going to make it. Just the way it is. Uh, I'm sure that if you take 14 million cockroaches, look carefully at them. And if you could talk cockroach, if you can understand what the cockroaches are saying, you would discover that out of 14 and a half million cockroaches, maybe uh, a thousand of them ain't making it. The other cockroaches just completely ignore them. I mean, when mating time comes around, they don't score. Well, all right. So, so uh, you, you can't, you can't, the, uh, you can't just say it's, it's a sick society, a sick system. It's just the way life works. So uh, now there's a, there's a place, and this might be of some uh, help to you, Steve. I've watched you carefully, but there's a place uh, out in the Midwest, uh, a mail order house, where you can now order, if you're an urban person, you can now order a friend by mail that comes of the opposite sex. Now that is if you're interested in the opposite sex, a lot of people who have that problem of not making it in a city uh, have to turn to other means and so if uh, if let's say your name is Harold, you can order a friend named Clarence uh, who is extremely friendly and in fact very complacent and uh, you this thing blows up. you see it, it comes with a bicycle pump and all that, and you just blow it up and it and it wears genuine clothes it, It's not uh, fake, it wears a genuine whatever you want. If you'd like a distinguished type of friend. Uh, you can get a you can get a model that blows up, and it's a sort of a heavy set guy with a touch of jowls, but has a magnificent thatch of silver hair, and wears a Brooks Brothers suit, and uh, you know is looking for a young friend named Chucky to take him onto the island. So if you're Chucky and you haven't scored, well you can you can uh, you can rent one or buy one. You can buy it outright if you're really that desperate. Now on the other hand. Uh, you can, <laughs> if you're, you know, if you're, if you're more in the main swing of things, uh, you can order various types of ladies uh, that come in various shades of hair, and they're extremely lifelike, uh, absolutely lifelike, and they wear various types of clothing, or they don't wear various types of clothing, depending on how you would like to have your friend be. Now, I'm not kidding you; these these are absolutely available. Now, on the other hand, they have they have made that also available to ladies. It's always assumed that men are. Uh, in this bag, but not so that ladies can uh, can actually buy themselves what they call they, they what, it, what it's called euphemistically in the trade. They can buy themselves a an escort, uh, which means that. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, uh, for one thing, uh, uh, <laughs> well, nevertheless, you can buy this. See? And, and this escort also blows up, and uh, he's you know he's big, handsome, square jawed, fantastic profile. You can have him with a gigantic mod hairdo, or if you prefer a more jock type, you can have a guy with who's wearing a sweater and it's Notre Dame on it, and uh, you know he's a, he's a, obviously a lineman or or he's a all state halfback. And he's, he's set up in such a way that he can be put in your car. So a lot of girls are embarrassed by the fact that they have to go to the drive-in alone, you know, and, uh, and uh, they have no friend. So you just set this guy up in the car next to you, and you drive out, and you'll be the envy of all your friends when you drive past with a guy that looks like he's a cross between Frank Gifford, Paul Newman, with a little touch of Eric Severide thrown in. And uh, so, so the, things are, are moving pretty good. I, I, I think that things are looking good. We're, we're, we're approaching things the right way now. You can also buy other things for your life now, since obviously many people's lives have turned out to be empty of what we generally call a good life. Uh, for example, uh, there, there is a company now uh, that sells, if you're curious uh, about the, the good life, have you uh, gone to friends of yours and you notice this guy's got this fantastic stereo setup, and it's a tremendous stereo operation? You, guy's got these got lights that go off green and purple lights and he swi- throws switches and he can turn off highs and lows and he got thirty four speakers. Well, you can buy this entire thing except the only thing that makes it different from any other stereo setup is it has nothing in the cabinets. That's true. And and you can go out and buy yourself a little five watt uh, amplifier someplace at Realistic or, or at the Radio Shack or something you know in 1995 and you just hook it up in this thing it just ho- fits in the back say and buy yourself a couple of little cockamamie four inch speakers and stick them in these things and you have you've got yourself a because you see this it operates on the premise that everybody most of your friends have got uh, tin foil ears right from the start they can't tell good from bad if it's loud it's good you know. And uh, so uh, you you can get a lot of sound out of a 5 watt amplifier that's turned all the way up. The guy thinks it's fantastic. It's just a tremendous sound. And uh, especially to people whose ears have been deadened by too much uh, exposure to rock. You take a guy that's, uh, you know, that spent three nights of of the week over two years at, say, Fillmore East, the late Fillmore East this guy 's hearing acuity has now been cut down at least forty percent, according to most medical journals so it is it is academic whether he gets a good sound system or not. All he needs is something loud enough to blast through the calluses on his eardrums and he 'll think it 's good so uh, you can now buy this <laughs> you want you want to hear more of these things that are now available to, to help life through uh, make life easier well, uh, one thing you can buy if you, uh, a lot of you people feel a little embarrassed because uh, uh, various credit card companies have not seen fit to give you a credit card due to one thing and another. Problems you've had in the past, you know, no doubt you feel a little embarrassed about that. When uh, you go out with a friend and, and uh, you know, the time comes to pay the bill at uh, McDonald's or something. He whips out his American Express and he says, oh, well, there you tell You take the American Express card. And, uh, of course, this is kind of a thing. Uh, uh, you can now buy uh, a complete set of credit cards that look exactly like the real thing, except for one thing, they ain't. So, And you keep them in your wallet. And so you got a credit card that looks exactly like Diners Club, Card Blanche, looks like a Bank of America card, looks like American Express and all of them. See, But the way you pull this off, see, you go to Dino's or you go to McDonald's and uh, you take out your wallet, big, fat wallet, bulging with all these tremendous credit cards. And you say to the guy, do you take credit cards? And, of course, he says, no at which point you say, ah, oh, what kind of a joint he says. And then with that, you give him a dollar, and you pay for your hamburger, and you walk on. Of course, your friends then believe that you've got a credit card, and that that place had gotten a little more civilization it would have taken your credit card. Uh, only one thing, don't try to use it. You're liable to wind up in a slammer for 20 years. But it's a, nobody can say anything about you having it, right? Now, <laughs> I'm, I'm just telling you this way. Now, if on the other hand, let's, say, let's assume, say, that, uh, there's all kinds of things you can buy along that way. Uh, let's say you've always been a little embarrassed by your friend Aki, who was a first lieutenant in the Marines. See, so Aki doesn't say anything about it. He was a first lieutenant in the Marines, which is a terrible thing that can happen to a friend. Uh, I mean, to, to happen to you, see. You're the kind of guy who, who had trouble getting into the Beaver Patrol in Troop 41 of the Boy Scouts. Uh, but here, here's your friend Aki. He turns out not only to be accepted by the Marines, but he winds up to be a first lieutenant. And, uh, th- in fact, had he stayed in another five minutes, he probably would have made major. Well, that's a terrible thing to happen here, you know. Do you know what you can buy now? You can buy yourself a set of phony ID cards, which look very much like you were at least a lieutenant colonel in uh, anything. You just name it, the Air Force, you name it, see. It looks very official. But you have to read very carefully, way down at the bottom, it says, way down at the bottom, it says, this is a facsimile, and uh, not the real thing. But, of course, you have to read the fine print to see that. So you casually sit, you know, you're over chinos. Or you're you hanging around the uh, Route 3 diner, you know one of the other great the watering places of the Cokemanchetti, and uh, you uh, whip out your your wallet and you just casually let it fall open, saying, "There it is. It says Lieutenant Colonel Air Force Pilot B-17s." Yeah, the whole bit. See? And the guy says, "Hey, I never you never knew you you, you flew b 17 You're Lieutenant Colonel, huh?" You say, "I don't like to talk about it. You just stick it away. And you, fly, you never mention it. You haven't denied it. You haven't said anything. But the word is out." And uh, very shortly thereafter, people will begin to notice that there's little crow's feet around your eyes, which come from watching too many late-late shows. They will assume that it's because you flew so many endless hours of deadly, dangerous missions over enemy territory and that they <laughs> you have lived to tell the tale. Now, uh, are, are you curious about other things? Now, you may... Uh, all right, there, there's a lot of things. This is, a, this is kind of a self-help night we're doing here. And... Uh, you may resent your neighborhood. You're living in this rotten neighborhood looking out, nothing but uh, the air shaft. And once in a while a beer can goes by in the air shaft. Maybe a body flies past it once in a while. And uh, you don't like it. See, let's face it. Uh, uh, you, can't, uh, you can't arrive at a, at a the, the, the real world you want to live in. Most people have trouble getting there. And they think of it. They dream of it anyway. We, we, we Americans are utopians. You know one of the biggest laughs in Vermont these days? Is the is the amount of glop that's being written by writers who believe that you can go up to Vermont or Maine and live the utopian life, <laughs> and they run fleeing screaming five minutes later because nobody ever told them the temperature was 22 below zero all the time and it rains it rained all summer and all winter the snow was up to the roof or better say that Walden uh, Thoreau never mentioned that say that uh, so this is one of the big laughs so you can't find uh, this uh, this uh, this paradise that we're looking for. And the Americans are utopians like this. Uh, I, I ran into a group that was fascinating up in the Alaska, for example. I was up in Alaska, you know, last year shooting a TV show. And and one of the f- big jokes around uh, uh, Juno, it was, was this group of utopian-type hippie kids who came up. They figured they'd, they'd go up there and they'd discover the new frontier, see. And they arrived up there with their little tents and their hair flowing and the whole bit. Only one thing. Nobody told them about the mosquitoes. <laughs> Sixteen trillion mosquitoes descended on them, and uh, not only that, uh, a bear knocked down one of the tents and ate one of the guy's tent poles and then one of his shoes. And uh, they flipped out. That within fifteen minutes, they're back flying first class on the first plane they can get out of there. You notice that almost all these neo-Waltonites travel first class. Well, that's uh, it's it's kind of nice to be a revolutionist traveling first class all the way. I mean, you know. <laughs> When will General uh, uh, Motors starts turning out uh, a new uh, economy car called the Tumbril? Uh, You know, for for revolutionists, it'll come out. uh, uh, The guillotine model. Uh, (laughs) The uh, Madame Dufage model. But uh, nevertheless, it's all part of the scene. Uh, It's all part of our make-believe life. And you know what you can buy now in case you really are getting fed up with your neighborhood? Well... Now, let's assume you're living in this crummy little, this little rat hole someplace. It's a little room. It's a sweaty little room. And, uh, and the room itself sweats. It's not bad enough that you sweat. The room sweats, you know, and everything. Yeah. So you can buy yourself a window, actually a window that glues onto the wall. It, it, it's an actual window. Uh, and it comes with a frame, the whole bit. And it, and, and it glues on. It's plastic, and the frame is a beautiful frame. It looks like a real window, and it even has a Venetian blind on it, a real Venetian that you can pull up and down. I'm not kidding you. And, and it has it's it has electricity in it. It's got light. You know, it's got a certain kind of fluorescent light which looks like sunlight outside. You press a button, and this window, the sun comes in the window, and outside of it, you can see there's a picture in the window of the most fantastic, beautiful neighborhood you ever saw. If you if you're uh, if you if you've always had a desire to live, say somewhere in the Rockies you can see off in the distance you can see the snow-capped mountains and the sun is coming in your window <laughs> I'm not kidding you and, 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 and the thing you can even fix this thing up so that it's attached to a timer so that the sun comes up at 6 o'clock in the morning you wake up oh, somebody forgot to close the window and you, you, you get up and you pretend like the sun is coming in from the mountains and, and you can't sleep and uh, yes now on the other hand you may the, the opposite you see always exists so some guy who's living out in the boondocks, who's tired of looking at pigs out of the window all the time, you know, he's had he's it up to here, you know, every time he looks out, he sees nothing but a pig wallowing around in the grass or something. He's tired of this. His great dream has always been to live in this elegant apartment, which is uh, situated in a particularly uh, elegant area, say, just off Sutton Place someplace. When you look out of the window, all oh, you see is these beautiful, beautiful, uh, 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 you see the skyline of New York and all <laughs> that. Well... You can, you can buy this one. See, if you're living out in the boonies and you want to get away from the boonies, you have this fantastic window. You press the button, and on comes the skyline of New York. You are living right next door to Gore Vidal, right up above you. Uh, John Kenneth Galbraith is living. And right down the block, you know, Arthur Miller has his, uh, his penthouse apartment. And, uh, <laughs> and you can even get with these things. Now, this has gone so far now. You didn't hear of these things? Uh, I'm not kidding you. A lot of people think Shepard's making it up. Forget it. I'm not. Uh, You can get with these things, you can get tapes that play the sounds of the area that you want, which means that if you have this elegant New York view, you hear the sounds of distant, muted horns, which are carrying first-nighters off to the next magnificent first-night performance. Lawrence Olivier is opening again and Who Shot John and... uh, and uh, David Merrick is appearing in his cape. And there you are. You can, you, you know, you get up and you're living in a place called Rabbit Hash, Kentucky, living in your little fantasy. And the horns, you can hear the play. And you get up in the morning and you put on your Sears Roebuck tuxedo and pretend that that night you're going to have this elegant first night thing. You drink a martini and you toast New York. Well, uh, it's kind of nice. You know? <laughs> now, now you can, you can get all kinds of these windows. As a matter of fact, if, if you're, and this is a common problem, all people in the world think if they could get to the other country, life would be groovy. Now, you don't think that's just America, do you? No, 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 no. I, I went through Italy here about a year ago, and every third Italian that I met in Italy said, oh, if I can only get to New York to live. If I can only get to New York. Yeah, they really did say this. They really believe that somehow if they could get to the States, life would be one long song. I, I go through the boondocks of Paris, and I get the same thing, you know. Oh, but, monsieur, you are from America. You go, you go, undoubtedly, every weekend, you go to California. You see, see. He, he thinks that if he could get here, you know, millions of Americans feel that if they could get to the coast of Spain, life would be groovy. He'd say, well, you can with this system. You realize that you can actually live in a little coastal village in, in, in say, for example, uh, Portugal. You can, Estoril, uh, for example. And uh, every morning, the sun comes up, and you see nothing but the wash of the magnificent sea out there and a long, curving beach. And there, in the middle distance, in the, in, the, in the back foreground, are three little Portuguese fishermen who have just come in with the morning's catch. And the sun comes up, and you have little, you know, you have little Portuguese music playing behind it. And uh, it's kind of great, you know. <laughs> you think I'm kidding, don't you? Well, well I'm not. I'm really seriously not. And uh, this is part of it. Now, on the other hand, there are other elements which you can achieve. Now, uh, let's take reading. Uh, you probably you've always envied your friends who have this uh, this talent, who can read, uh, and who actually do read. Uh, it's it's uh, always a little surprising to discover that there's a vast population out there who not only got all the way through uh, Indianapolis chiropractic uh, uh, high, or they, they actually graduated even places like Harvard, <laughs> and have trouble reading. Their mouths move when they read and uh, have never read a book other than that which was directly assigned. And even then, they went out and they bought some kind of a pony and cheated on it, never actually finished the book. And so they have a sneaking envy of people who really do read. It's a curious thing. And they never quite understood it. Well, now, you know what you can buy for this? Of course, one of the problems with reading is, is books, right? Now, there's two problems with books. One, they cost money. Two, they take up space. Now, you may have neither, and yet you have a, a terrible urge to, to be literate and well-read without going through all the problems of learning how to read and all that. You know, that, that can be such a drag. So, you can now buy, and I'll tell you one of the places you can buy it, in case you're curious, Sears Roebuck. You can now buy a complete library which glues onto your wall. And it, it's absolutely, unbelievably realistic. You come into this guy's house and you can't believe it. It, it looks like he's got nothing but shelves, and they're magnificently uh, varied stuff, and they're even worn. It's like they've all been read, you know, and there's little pieces of paper sticking out of them where you've marked particularly significant passages in Camus and all that stuff. And so, here, here's this fantastic library that glues over your entire wall with shelves. It's not just books, it's shelves, the whole bit, you know. So, when a guy comes, you don't, you just keep the lights on, it's kind of dim, and the back there, so he never, quite, uh, he never quite goes over and tries to pull one of them out, in which case, of course, he gets a shock, because you can wire this up, so it gives a guy a hell of a shock when he tries to pull one out, but nevertheless, here's your, now, the thing that is, is uh, I think, significant about this new library, this, this thing, this technique, is you can just, you can decide what kind of a literate man you are. Now, you realize, of course, that uh, being uh, no man can read all books. No man has all the same taste. Now, if you've envied your friends, for example, uh, who seem to really be interested in reading things like uh, The Guns of August, a three-volume history of World War I, you know, if you're the kind of guy that has trouble even getting started, let's say, on your latest comic book uh, because the words are too long, you know, like zowie, wham, hot diggity dog, stuff like that, well, you can buy a, a library that looks like the most elegant historical scholar that ever came down out of Harvard. The kind of guy, you know, that with one withering glance could destroy Bruce Catton, or uh, say John Kenneth Galbraith. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, your grasp, of course, of the early Punic Wars is, to say the least, slight. And uh, you know, you don't, you don't have to say it's just your books. So you can buy historical. Uh, you can buy, you can, if, if you're curious, you can also buy medical library that you can glue up there. If, you, if you've been pulling a little flim-flam on various na- friends of yours, you know, performing unofficial operations, and uh, you know, for $50 a shot, uh, a, a, a nice peel-on, peel-off decal medical library wouldn't hurt at all. Because, uh, you know, some of those books are terrible. Yeah, do you know how much a good copy of Grey's Anatomy would cost today? It's a hell of a thing. Well, you can get one that glues right on a wall cost you maybe 40 50 cents and uh, not only that it's washable and what's even better it doesn't always remind you of how inadequate you are by saying to you all the time as real books do you should read me i mean it's just there now uh, on the other hand uh, this uh, <laughs> this this goes even further do you know that you can buy I, I really shouldn't bring you you know bring this all these things right out in the open but uh you've probably also heard of uh Of people who are connoisseurs. Now, a connoisseur uh, is a man with elegant taste. It's a it's a a sophisticated taste. He's uh, he's uh, spent time and effort learning the various sauces that are used, uh, let's say, uh, for the asparagus in the south of France. There are many different. There's a whole philosophy behind this. You don't just go in and say, "Hey, give me some of that yellow stuff." You know, the goodie. No, no, you don't do that. uh, a real a real gourmet, a genuine uh, connoisseur is a man who is exactly that. Uh, and you can't fake it, see. Well, there's two problems with the connoisseur problem, with that area. One, let's, let's assume you wish to be a wine bibber, a wine connoisseur. This is uh, very sought after here in New York, particularly. Well, what's the first problem? Well, have you bought good wines lately, friends? Do you know that a decent seller of, say... Uh, a couple hundred bottles of elegant wine. You know what? This would run you? Oh, <laughs> ridiculous. And, and worst of all, it all tastes the same to you, you see. So uh, here you are. You've got this 250-bottle uh, library of elegant wines, and it all tastes like uh, Thunderbird to you, you see, so it doesn't make any difference. Well, do you know that there's one place, and uh, I shouldn't... I'm not going to give you the address. There's a place now that supplies fake wine bottles for fake connoisseurs who have a fake cellar. Now, this comes with racks which you attach on your wall. So you can have like three or four hundred dust-covered bottles of uh, rare and magnificent vintages. Complete with the uh, spider webs. The whole business, say. And, uh, you know, like uh, the rare uh, 1922 Medoc uh, Which uh, came from a certain chateau. And which all wine men know. I mean, a, a, a real, a real uh, connoisseur come in your house and say, "Oh, oh my God! Oh no, you have ze- no, I have not seen a bottle of this since uh, Gloria Swanson was a was a Soubrette." And uh, you, of course, you say, "Well, uh, I picked it up on my travels through uh, through uh, Antibes. Uh, I was talking to Somerset Mom one day, and he had a few." And uh, this kind of thing, you say, is very now. The trick behind this is all these bottles are filled with a harmless. A colored liquid that closely approximates the real wine. They are sealed. They look exactly like the real wine. So if a friend of yours comes over and says, "Oh my God, I'd like to oh look at that. That's a uh, 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 is that 1897 uh, uh, Pierre Brute?" You say it is indeed, and he said, "What 1897? That not that's something. That's 75 years old for heaven's sakes. That's a that's a that's a fabled uh, vintage." Yes, I'm saving it for something really important. How does he know? It, 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 it comes with the real labels. Well, now, what you actually have in the middle of all that wine, you have three legitimate bottles which have been opened, emptied, and you have filled one with uh, Thunderbird. You will fill the other one with uh, Bally High. And the one on the end over there is filled with uh, with white ripple for the guys, you know, when you're having your your white wines. <laughs> So, uh, this is actually true. You can buy these things. Now, on the other hand, you may... uh, I don't know how I got started, and this is a sickening show. I mean, a terrible show. Uh, But uh, let's take record collectors. Today, uh, people uh, are often judged by the width and the breadth of their record collection. Well, I don't have to tell you, friends, that there is a place in St. Louis, Missouri, which will supply you with over 400 assorted record jackets with nondescript records of any type stuck in. Not the real thing. You can have a a classical collection that would just floor anybody that comes to your house. You have thousands of fantastic classical records. You hate classical records. You can't stand it, see. So you have your one volume of Swan Lake, which you pull out and play for them. And then, of course, when they want to hear the rest of them, you say, well, I would love to play them for you, but I'm having them cleaned. Uh, I do not wish to play them. I'm, I'm having them electrostatically cleaned, and you have you know you pull a, a, a real a ploy, an audiophile ploy on this. Now uh, there are other there are other things. Uh, for those of you who want to really get inside of the real world, uh, I would like you know for example, do you know that there's one place over here in Jersey? Now wait a minute. I shouldn't tell you this, but I'm gonna. Right, let's let's really get out in the open. Let's just bring it out in the open. One of the great ego trips of our day, of course. Everybody secretly wants to be in showbiz, right? Right? Well, many are called, few are chosen. Just as simple as that. Many are called, few are chosen. Now, uh, do you know that there's a place over in Jersey, right across the river here, that will supply you with hooked up faked kinneys of you having a fantastic appearance on the Johnny Carson show. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. And you can always play it for your friends. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, did you see the night I was on Carson? I guy said, what, you want Carson? Said, yeah, yeah, well, what you mean, you didn't see it? Well, hell, everybody else saw it. What do you mean, you didn't see it? You know, they've been after me for months, doing another one. But I'm at the time, after all, you know. Said, you on Carson? Oh, well, gee, in case you... Hey, Marge, uh, how about bringing that uh, that film on here, Marge? uh... And then she, of course, says, what film? See, you were on so many shows that she doesn't remember. So, said, well, uh, oh, you remember the last time I was on Carson's show? Said, oh, that, oh, that's silly. Yeah, yeah. No, come on, come on, Aki wants to see it. And so with that, you put it in your uh, your projector, and the next thing you know, there you are. Uh, you're squatting right there between uh, Zsa Zsa Gabor, Victor Borga, Ed McMahon, and there's Johnny Carson rolling on the floor over one of your jokes, and the, you hear know, the fantastic... So, oh, I don't want to show you the rest. Come on, you want to see all of this? That's oh, ridiculous. And uh, do you know that this is done? Now, now, again, you're sitting out there saying, oh, come on, now he's going too far. Now? Oh, no. Not at all. Now, uh, how many of you have had a secret desire to be, say, a professional football player? And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, after all, you, you, you couldn't even, as a matter of fact, you didn't even make the Mumbly Peg team, you know, back in Hackensack High. And uh, you've always cherished this desire to have been a professional footballer, right? Well, you know that there is a is a is a terrible place. I just don't even want to mention them, it's awful. There's a place out in San Francisco that will provide you with a yearbook. You know they have a professional football player's yearbook and baseball player. Will provide you with a yearbook that is absolutely authentic looking, like say uh, nineteen uh, let's say the nineteen fifty one the professional yearbook that has you on any team you want to be on. Complete with your records, <laughs> whatever record you want to have. Say, now it, it is very advisable if you wish to have this. It is very advisable that you have an unobtrusive career. Don't don't attempt to say that uh, Crazy Legs Hirsch, you know, would come in for you. Uh, don't don't uh, don't try to say that Y A Tittle was your backup quarterback. That's uh, most guys blow the gaff by doing that. Say say no no. What you say is of course. Well, I, I spent uh, I spent a half a season with Green Bay. And the guy says, you, what, you, you, you played with Green Bay? What do you mean? Oh, so, well, you know, after school, I just thought it'd be kind of fun to play a little pro ball. And they were after me. And, and of course, I had a, the old man was after me to go into the law firm. And uh, just about that time, you know, he got sick. And I had to quit. But, uh, I yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. I played about half a year. I, I played, uh, I'll never forget one day against the Lions, you know. And, and of course, and by then, everybody's eyeballs are popping. And so with that, he said, oh, come on, you are giving me the business. I never heard, so, well, I, uh, he says, uh, hey, did you mind? He says, you know, that's a coincidence. I have I have the record book of that year right here in my uh, my briefcase. Uh, here, take a look at it. Look me up. And the next thing you know, he's looking, uh, you know, Apple Rot. Uh, 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 Alfred D. See, that's you, Alfred, Alfred D. Uh, Green Bay. Oh, my God, there is an Alfred. Green Bay, Alfred, Alfred D. And then see, he looks up to his, uh, let's see, uh, uh, total yards rushing, uh, 76, uh, 42 plas- passes completed. Uh, left the team in the middle of the year. Well, there you are, you know. <laughs> That's all you got to say. Stick it back in your wallet and go. And let the legend take care of itself. After that, it just goes rolling on and on. By the time it reaches, uh, you know, the front office of your place there, your boss will be asking you to come out to his house every weekend whenever he watches the Jets play to explain the plays after that friend's vice presidency, no less. So uh, this, uh, this whole this whole thing has many ramifications, Uh, (laughs) Well, as a matter of fact, I'll tell you where you meet these people all the time. Any any of you that have traveled around throughout Europe and the Far East, you're continually meeting Americans who have convinced all the other Americans, or rather all the other Europeans or the uh, Indians in that area, that they, back in America... We're uh, uh, an up-and-coming, you name it, uh, uh, heavyweight contender, uh, <laughs> famous ex-ball uh, player for the Detroit Tigers, uh, uh, all down the line. You get over there, and, and you know, you meet this Indian. He says, I, I, "Sir, I have meet the uh, I have meet the man who plays how you say second base." And you say, second base? Oh, he did. Uh, who did he play for?" Oh, he says he plays for a team. Uh, excuse me, uh, sir, but is there such a team as uh, is there such a team as the uh, Indians? The, the Cleveland Indians? It's, well, yes, of course. It, you mean he played second base for the Cleveland Indians? Yes, I believe he did so. He also say he played for a team... Uh, is there such a team called the Cubs? Is it Cubs? Not, oh, the Cubs! Oh, yes, it's a Cubs. Cubs. is a, a, in, in, I believe, uh, Chicago. You mean this guy... I want to meet this guy. And you meet him. There's this little skinny guy that looks a little bit like Woody Allen. And, uh, of course, this ki- type of dream... <laughs> is uh, always it's a persistent dream it's the Woody Allen syndrome, the George plimpton syndrome uh, it's, a, it's a galloping problem and you'll find uh, you'll find that all over the country now organizations have popped up that will cater to those whims to those uh, ideas Now it, it even goes further if, if you if you have the money to spend you can even do it bigger than that uh, let's say for example, you have always had a dream to write a book. Everybody secretly believes that if you had the time, oh, my God, what a book he could write, right? You've probably had this feeling yourself. Well, there's an organization, and they work out of Chicago, in case you're curious, that will supply you a book within four weeks of placing an order. And I'm not talking about a vanity press place. They will write a book for you. There's a team of three hacks that live in a garage over Hoyne Street in Chicago, and they will knock you out a book on whatever you want to have a book written on with your name Uh, All you have to do is pick the title. See, that's your creative thing. And all you've got to do after that is to uh, call up the caterers, have your uh, big uh, cocktail party for the opening of your new book. And incidentally, they guarantee that your book will be published. They guarantee that it will be publishable. You can sell it to some publisher. Now, uh, of course, this is a little expensive. This will run you maybe two grand or better. But it's kind of exciting, you know, to have uh, Arlene Francis (laughs) interview you. But that's a wonderful book. And there you are. You're sitting there... Gene Bach, it's all excited and uh, and uh, and uh, you can just pick whatever type of, of, of if you want. To, let's say you want to write a hard hitting book denouncing uh, denouncing uh, the spoilation of the uh, economy by uh, evil industries. That uh, you know the ecology shtick. Yeah, they'll turn one off. Wait five minutes. That's an easy one to turn out. <laughs> and uh, so so there's all kinds of uh, there's all kinds of things. Now now, now on the other hand now. Have you ever envied your friends who have such scintillating friends? And they're constantly telling you about the wonderful parties they had, you know, where, uh, where Norm Mailer dropped in. And, and uh, you know, he couldn't stay, but, uh, you know, he's such a gas. He dropped in, you know, and he brought the ripped horn with him. And he says, you know, they a trouble the with those two guys. They ride, they drink all your bourbon, they go, you know. And you just drop that into your conversation. Well, do you know that there is an outfit now that will supply... Are you ready for this, gang? that will supply anywhere from 1 to 10 celebrities for your next party recognizable real celebrities who are who are who are available now on hire to appear at your party and they have a they have an order book you can order, uh, you know, any type of. If you want showbiz, they have 45 recognized actresses who uh, who made <laughs> once made a film and uh, and and everybody knows their name. You see, so uh, you can now they call it uh, they call it rent a celeb, and uh, so if you wanna if you wanna have celebrities at your parties, they're easily obtainable. It's uh, it's all done. Now, of course, you have to put in uh, some of them uh, go a little higher than others, and of course you get a frequent what they call a frequency discount. If you uh, if you rent more than three celebrities, they're cheaper. If you rent just one, well, that's lab will be a little, uh, a little expensive per album. By the way, it's all done on the hourly basis, and you are, uh, the celebrity does not bring his own drinking materials. He does not bring any of his own, uh, he does bring, however, a product of his own work. So if he's an author, he happens to have a couple of poems in his back pocket, which he whip out. And so, uh, yeah, now you think I'm putting you on. Right, <laughs> I'm not friends, <laughs> now, and and, and uh, you know that that uh, that in the publishing world. Now I'll bring out a little more of that if curious about it. That uh, and and this is also in the film world. That it's a recognized fact that if a large number of celebrities show up at the premiere or the cocktail party for this particular book or this particular film, uh, it then behooves them to make sure they do show up. So it it is a recognized practice within the film world and the publishing world to actually it, it makes sure that they do they, they they literally rent a large collection of celebrities who are picked up in in uh, catered limousines <laughs> and, and who are black. of course they never stay through the film I mean uh, uh, so this uh, lesbia O'Toole the newest uh, fantastic sex bomb arrives in front of the theater and everybody yells and screams on 42nd street, you know, and she walks through. You don't think she goes down and sits and watches that movie, do you? are you kidding? They have a special shoot. She goes right out the back door and she's on the way to the next one, say. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm telling you, friends, if, if you've been just flubbing around and you've been ad living your life, you, you ought to start planning it. You ought to start uh, working on it uh, very carefully. Uh, you know uh, prepare uh prepare your ploys, program your existence I mean ha- here you 've been all this time hit or miss picking friends, and you can actually rent an elegant friend who 's written a book or or uh, or uh, committed a play or uh, or uh, been arrested for uh, protecting the Indians in pueblo nebraska or You know, the the latest local celebrity. And by the way, one of the greatest crowds is all the celebrities of of recent yesteryear. There's a whole collection. I mean, you could come in with Fats Domino on one arm, with uh, Vaughn Meter on the other, you know. (laughs) Oh, man, where will it ever end?